It's just after 8 o'clock in the big city. It's time for America's favorite Las Vegas sports show, Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson. <laughs> yeah. What up? Party's going on. Duh. Going to a party. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson is brought to you by Hannah Shea Boyle and Rappaputi. Trial lawyers that get results. Visit PSBRLaw.com. Steiner's Pub, a true Nevada style pub with three locations one on Cheyenne, one on Buffalo, and one on the south end of the strip. Steiner's Pub. We love this place. Preventative Diagnostic Center. Book your non invasive scan today for peace of mind. Visit pdcenterlv.com. Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance, 702 335 5740. 702-335-5744. Laborers Union 872. The builders of Allegiant Stadium and the Las Vegas Ballpark. Home of the Aviators. Promodirect.com. Use K-10 for a 10% discount on your promotion items order. Promodirect.com. And by William Hill Racing Sportsbook. America's leading racing sportsbook. Visit WilliamHill.us. So get ready because Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. All right, throwback Thursday, KT Angelo running the show. My goodness, Mark Hoke with a night off. What the hell's up with that? No, he does take Thursday nights off. He needs a little reprieve because uh, he's storing up to uh, be able to have his lamp chops. By the way, Krivsky's in. And yeah. Kriv, I do have your 50 spot for the, uh, nice. the Cardinals and, and Brewers. Gosh, I haven't seen you in a long time. I know. It's good to be back. Ken, I'll have to put that 50 towards those lamp chops. Yeah. It's, Hoekster. It's, it's, it's not good for you, but unbelievable ending. Angelo's watching over there in the studio, and we were watching the end of the Bears and Washington Commanders game. And the last play that I saw was Fields rifling the ball into the end zone. The ball's goes up in the air. The receiver gets it, and then he falls back right there at the goal line. Is it determined that he is short, Angelo? For sure. Is he short? He is. Okay, so 12-7, Washington will get the W in that game in what was a snooze fest. Uh, This game was 0-0. The Bears early had just a ton of yardage. Washington, like, was, I think they had, like, 15 yards in the second quarter total. But they end up winning at 12-7 the final. That'll make uh, Mike Lawton a happy camper. He runs the Commanders, you know, Washington football team, a.k.a. uh, the Skins. Uh, He's been doing that for a long time at Steiner's Pub, where KT is on Wednesday night, 1750 North Buffalo. So if you're a fan of that organization, or maybe not the organization itself with Daniel Snyder, but maybe the football team uh, that's, that's playing on the field, if you enjoy that team, you can go over there, 1750 North Buffalo. All those games are there. And then they travel to a lot of the games, especially when they're local uh, on the West Coast, or regional, I should say, somewhere on the West Coast. So uh, just a little FYI, if you're out here and you happen to support that football team, 1750 North Buffalo, one of three Steiners in the Vegas Valley to serve you. KT always there on Wednesday nights. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, where are we? PSBR Law Studios right here in Las Vegas. Panache, Boyle, Ravaputi, the best in personal injury, now in the Vegas Valley for their fourth year. They've been doing it in SoCal for such a long time. 
Uh, over $3.5 billion in verdicts and settlements the last decade for their clients. Strength by your side, the relentless pursuit of justice, psbrlaw.com. Again, jot the number down. May not need it now, but you may need it in the near future or the future. And uh, that, of course, 702 we got down for Vegas on the area code side of things, 830-9353, 830-9353, psbrlaw.com. Go and check out the uh, the website. And before we get rolling, Kriv, I'm just going to get this out of the way. And, and and I don't mean it like that, like shove it to the side. But I want to make sure that I get in there, the Preventative Diagnostic Center, because I'm always like rushing it in before, you know, a break. And then I try to get it in hour number one. And so I'm going to make sure I get it out right now so that we're good to go. But Dr. John Pierce and company, they've been doing it for a long time here in the Vegas Valley. That's the Preventative Diagnostic Center. And if you are in that demographic, 40 to 72 years of age, well, you're pretty fortunate because we've got the only scanner of its kind in the region. Gives you early detection before signs and symptoms of more than two dozen ailments like heart and lung disease and cancer. It is the Preventative Diagnostic Center. You can give a call now, get that free educational consultation. You got that 702 down. I was talking about 534. 7900 534-7900, 534-7900. Let them know KT from SportsX Radio sent you. Comfortable scan takes a few minutes, then you get a detailed report a few days later from a board-certified radiologist. I mean, it doesn't get much better than to have information on your organs, knowing that there's no cancer, there's no heart disease, no lung disease. That's pretty amazing to have that opportunity to get that done. Heart CT scan calcium score special continues to run. It's $125 for a $600 value, significant other, absolutely free. So a $1,200 value, two of you can get that heart checked out. And I always talk to the guys specifically as far as the Widowmaker. Guys, don't be blindsided. Have one of those massive heart attacks. Make sure you check things out. Make sure those arteries are cleared. And if they're not, well, then you get a little indication there after the scan. And you can go take care of things. You can find out. Maybe you do have stage one, stage two cancer. Find out. You know, go handle it. Take care of business with your physicians and oncologists or whoever. And, uh, you know, it's important to have that information. I know, you know, we get scared sometimes. We're like, ah, I don't want to know. Uh, if I had cancer, would I want to know? Well, maybe you wouldn't want to know if you had stage four, right? And you're just like, oh, man, they tell me, oh, you only have three months to live. Maybe you wouldn't have wanted to know. Wanted to know. But if you have, say, stage two and somebody lets you know, hey, you got this, da-da-da, it's going to be no problem, a little chemo, a little radiation, boom, and you're good to go in a few months, whatever. I mean, if you have that opportunity, look, it doesn't always work out. We never know when our number's up. But if you have an, ad, uh, an advantage, a chance to be proactive, <clears throat> Might as well take it. Early detection is key. Get peace of mind. Take charge of your health. You can check out the scanner at pdcenterlv.com. Preventive Diagnostic Center under the watchful care of Dr. John Pierce here in the Vegas Valley, 534-7900. All right, Wayne Krivsky's been in Hotland. He does the uh, two weeks and two weeks pretty much. Uh, is awesome fiance. I got to get that in there, Oh, no boy, here we no, go. listen, because she's elevated to fiance, regardless what she is in your mind. Yeah. She's elevated to fiance because she's not only the incredible again. cookies, you know, the little Georgia delights over there, but that brownie thing, that, that was ridiculous. Yeah, you killed that. That was you unbelievable. That was yeah. like the perfect thing that I needed, some chocolate chip style brownie. Like you needed brownie. more energy before the show tonight. Uh, you know, After watching that game, maybe you did. Yeah, well, you know, I, I mean, we got the Golden Knights on here, 0-0 with the Blackhawks. Uh, second period just underway from T-Mobile. And right now, okay, there, and, and, uh, and Angela, of course, has, uh, has the Georgia delights, and he, he's given thumbs up there. Look, Donna, you're the best. If you're awake, great. If not, you'll listen to the archive. But we appreciate you. You always spoil us here. And, and Kriv told me, he goes, my lady's spoiling you again, KT. 
got a nice little care box for you. So there it is, just packed with cookies and brownies. And uh, that's why it's good, Kripsky, for you to go every yeah. couple of weeks to go back and, and restock and keep KT in stock. So good stuff going. Uh, college football tonight, crazy game, 43-40. West Virginia beats Baylor. A wild game back and forth, but uh, I did get into PSBR Law Studios. Just want to make sure, so because I, I am in that, I am uh, like ADD. Like, forget it. We invented ADD back in my age. I mean, they didn't have anything for it. They just like, don't give that kid candy. Whatever you do, don't don't give don't give KT sugar. He'll be bouncing off the walls all night. Sure enough, I was baby. <laughs> you give me a little sugar, baby, and I'm rocking and rolling. Still at this age, I'm still doing that. So that's why Donna knew, Criv knew, and Criv was like, uh, can you hold off and eat that brownie after the show. Yeah. No, then I'd be up all night. I do have the Friday football fiasco. I've got a tape in the morning. College football, we're going to get into that big time. Andy Isco is going to join us at 835 via the PSBR Law Hotline. Always appreciate AI, and uh, we'll talk a lot of football. We'll talk about that Raiders-Chiefs ending. Raiders in a bye week, and I'm going to give you some grades as far as you know, the different offense, defense, special teams, you know, things, coaching and, uh, you know, things that I think, you know, again, that's that's my own personal view. Everybody's got their own view. And, you know, there's those that are closer to the team. But I've been watching NFL football for a half century now. So I feel I've got a pretty good uh, gauge as far as, you know, what's going on. I've, uh, you know, watched it internally, closely. Uh, I, I'm somebody that pays attention to the trenches. The line of scrimmage, offense, defensive lines, those are important things, especially from the handicapping point of view. A lot of people just look at skill position players. When Brad and I do the Friday football fiasco, I mean, KT, I just took four hours to do the injury reports for college football for the weekend. You're like four hours. They give you the report. I mean, you can go to, you can pay for Don Best or all these, you know, different ones, these different sites. And get, yeah, okay, you can. And how many of you know the players that are listed on there? Okay. Yeah, you know the skill position players maybe on some of the teams. But half these teams, I, I could, could you tell me Memphis may be missing their left guard and left tackle going into Saturday's game? They're a team that likes to run the ball now. So, you know, I mean, that's major. When you have something like that, you got to get it out. So I enjoy that and I do that. And so I'll give my uh, little two cents as far as the Raiders. But I will get Andy Isco and Wayne Krivsky's take on that as well. Tough one-point loss on Monday, of course, to the Kansas City Chiefs. And you never want to go into the bye week one and four. But the Raiders, probably one of the few teams that can still make a run at the playoffs. I mean, last year, they were six and seven. Did anybody, and myself included, think they were going to win their last four games and go ten and seven? And then take the Bengals right down to the wire, lost that game by six there in Cincinnati, six or seven, whatever it was. And uh, Cincinnati ends up going to the Super Bowl. So you just never know. Is this Raider team done? No. They could be 5-0. and They could be 4-1. and I think they should probably be 3-2 and if things work out the way, you know, one for me, one for you. Like the Cardinal game is one they should not have lost for sure. Tennessee, they fell behind, had the chance to tie with the two-point conversion. The Denver game, they found a way to win. The Kansas City game hurts because they, were, they had a couple 17-point leads there. So we'll get into that one. That's the one that really hurts because if they won that game and they're sitting at 2-3 and three going into the bye week, you're not panicking at all. In fact, you're thinking, hey, glass half full for sure. We're 0-3, now 2-3, and three, and we beat KC, and we're 2-1 and one inside the division. So didn't work out that way, so you're 1-2 and two inside the division. Have to play better. Have to get one of those three or four game winning streaks 
like you ended the season with last year, and all of a sudden you can be back in the thick of things. Remember, it is a 17-game schedule, but you only have eight home games this year. But the Raiders have showed they can play on the road, just got to close out some of these games. All right, real quick, uh, and then I'll get with Kriv. Uh, 12-7, Commanders beat the Bears. They were minus one. Total was 40, bet down to 39 over there at the beautiful Westgate Superbook. Uh, Actually, Washington closes a a one-and-a-half-point favorite, but they get the win and the cover, 12-7 the final. Baylor, West Virginia, that's the one I was getting into. This game was crazy, and shaping the quarterback for Baylor got knocked out. Drone stepped in and looked like he was engineering a key drive to help Baylor potentially get the win, but he throws an interception, and then JT Daniels returns the favor and throws an interception, and uh, then West Virginia is able to stand tall and come down and get a field goal, so they lead at 43-30, and then they're able to snuff out the last Baylor drive. So a big win for West Virginia. They were minus one of their key starters, but they get the win, 43-40, a game I stayed away from. Total was 55. How about 83 big points in regulation? And then Central Florida. This was a close game early. Remember, Kurt Warner's son is a starting quarterback now for the Temple Owls. And this was, you know, first half, it was a one-score game. All of a sudden, Central Florida, I think they scored like the last 45 points of that game. Final score, 70-7-0, 70-13 down there in Orlando, Central Florida over Temple. Uh, one FCS game, just in case you did bet it, North Carolina Central, a 14-and-a-half-point home favorite, 59-20. to They crushed Morgan State, beat, beat up on the Bears there. 52 was the total. Game flies over. In Major League Baseball, just one game today because the Yankees in Cleveland they were rained out. So I'm going to get to that game in just a second. Kriv's going to comment on that game and that series. Andy Esco's also going to uh, touch on some of the baseball that's going down. Let me get to the hockey. Again, no score. T-Mobile. Chicago could have got them as a plus 310 tonight, the Blackhawks. They come off the loss last night on the road and uh, had to play back-to-back. But right now, 0-0 with 13 minutes to go in the second period at T-Mobile. And Vegas, if you laid the money... I mean, that's a lot of coin to be laying. And uh, minus 350, 360, 365 around town. So it just depends when and where you played it. Calgary leads Colorado. Avalanche got their opening night victory. But right now the Flames in Alberta, 336 to go second period. Up on top of the Avalanche, 3-1 to one is the score there. And 1-1, Seattle and the L.A. Kings, the Kraken hanging tough off a tie in their first game, regulation tie. Uh, 1-1 is that score with L.A. and the Kings and Golden Knights playing a doozy over in Los Angeles in the opener, a come-from-behind uh, back-and-forth game that the Vegas Golden Knights ended up winning by a goal. I think it was 5-4, and uh, just a lot of fun there. So that a look at what's going on. Here's the finals in the NHL. 4-1 to Buffalo, skated past Ottawa in their opener. Pittsburgh, no problem. Triple up on Arizona, beat the Coyotes 6-2. to Philly, how about that'll make Mark, hap- Mark Hoka happy camper. His Flyers, 1-0. and Take a picture of those standings tomorrow because it probably won't stay like that for Philly for a while. 5-2, to though, they beat the New Jersey Devils. Devils a road favorite, 123. And uh, Philly gets the outright win. Florida wins on the island, beat the Islanders. And uh, that's a good, solid Panthers team. We'll see if they can do better in the postseason this year. But 3-1, to one, they start off with a win at Long Island over the Islanders. Toronto skates past Washington 3-2 to two after losing last night in Montreal 4-3. to three. And the Rangers go to 2-0, and oh, the 3-1 victory the other night against Tampa Bay. And they blitz Marc-Andre Fleury with three goals in the first period at Minnesota. And the Rangers cruise past Fleury and the Wild 7-3 the final on that one. Dallas, a 4-1 win in Nashville. They were a plus 120 in that game. And again, I'll keep you abreast of the other three games. Kriv, 
Uh, the baseball score today, we had both American League games scheduled, the Yankees in Cleveland with the Yankees leading that series one game to none, postponed, so they'll try and get game two in tomorrow in New York and then head back to Cleveland for games three and four Saturday, Sunday. If there is a fifth game needed, it will be Monday back in New York, so no time off if no, they go four five straight games. Days. Yep. Yeah, I mean, four that's straight. A, so, if, so an advantage for Houston more than likely. Houston needs just one more win in the next three games. That's because they went ahead two games to none, and Alvarez has been the difference in this series. Houston, a 4-2 win over Seattle. Mariners had a brief 2-1 to lead, but again, Alvarez coming up big with a two-run shot. This one to the opposite field, and uh, he was the guy that got him the win in the first game with that three-run bomb in the bottom half of the ninth inning. And then he comes up big again today. Valdez pitching well enough. Castillo pitched really, really well. But unfortunately, not enough run support. And the Mariners find themselves down two games to none. When worst-case scenario, it should be 1-1. Yeah, tough loss for Seattle that first game for sure. And, and today, too. It's been the Alvarez show, as you mentioned, Ken. He, uh, I was watching the game. It was a good pitcher stool today. And uh, that at bat against Castillo, again, it was Jeremy Pena getting a, getting on base in front of him that kind of set the tone like it did the other day. Um, but uh, he was pitching him away. Everything was tailing away, two hard fastballs. And I, I could tell he was going to go the other way or looking to go the other way. And that next pitch Castillo threw caught too much of the plate and uh, went into those Crawford boxes and that band box of a ballpark there in Houston. And uh, – Gave him another win. They got an insurance run, I think, in the eighth inning. Eighth uh, inning, yeah. Yeah, to go ahead four to two. Um, so yeah, it's uh, Houston. It was for a team like Seattle coming off a loss like that that two days ago. I, I didn't, I didn't like their chances really coming back and winning today. Um, they're going to have to uh, win game three with uh, a rookie on the mound. It looks like it's going to be George Kirby against McCullers. Um, uh, and then it, I think Houston will probably go with uh, either Garcia or Keedy or some somebody in game four if it's necessary. So. Okay, so here's what Kenny Kelly, our good pal, told me to ask you. Why is Robbie Ray coming out of the bullpen? Yeah, I didn't like that, that either. Uh, again, no, I didn't ex- like ex- it. Explain. Let's, say, let's get the scenario now. You got two outs. Yep. Uh, was there two guys on when he came in or was there just the one? Uh, there were two. Two on, two on, and yeah. He came in. He he threw two pitches. One he threw two fastballs. I he got ahead zero and one, and then he threw another fastball right down the middle. I thought he'd go breaking ball there after getting ahead, but he didn't. And the rest is uh, history. That ball was smoked. Yeah, and, and I I get it sometimes where you say, okay, it's all hands on deck. You know, as far as uh, if it's the last game of a series and you want to have even your starters ready, but this is game one. Of the series, yeah, you got a seven to three lead going into the eighth. You got to win the game somehow. I would have held off Munoz for later in the game. Uh, I think he's been their their bullpen's been very underrated this year. Uh, Munoz has been solid. He's got tremendous stuff. He can get out right and left handers. He strikes out about. He's up there with Diaz, close to fifty percent of the hitters. And uh, so that was a situation where. Hold on. Go ahead, Ken. Yeah, no, I was going to say, when uh, Angelo's turning up the volume, it's turning up the volume here as well. So uh, right now the Golden Knights have gone ahead one nothing. They get a goal uh, in the second period, and uh, they take a one nothing lead over Chicago. So we're watching the game and now listening to the game right here in studio. So October hockey, you're going to interrupt my analysis for an October hockey score. 
Okay. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. no, I was just trying because I, I wanted the volume to be lowered so that people could hear oh, you. Oh, and I not see. Have to, oh, not have to mess I, with I, I, I thought T-Mobile. you were anxious to get the score on. No. Yeah, okay. No, All right. Are you kidding me? Why, well, I, won't, I wouldn't take I it personal sure anyway. Ha- As my dad would say, you have the floor, Wayne. <laughs> I was done anyway. I already gave you my best stuff right there. No, so, uh, no, see, I didn't like the move at all. It was service, but it was too cute. Uh, I, Robbie Ray not only has. Not pitched in relief, but he hasn't pitched well the last several starts of the regular season. You're putting a guy in an uncomfortable spot, uh, and and now it's not like Alvarez has trouble hitting left-handers. His power numbers and all his numbers are very similar to hitting against righties. So from that standpoint, it didn't make much sense. But I can see where you don't like the matchup with Seawald coming down from the side against uh, against Alvarez. I don't I don't like that matchup either. But Munoz saving Munoz if for later in the game if it did get tight like that would have been make more sense to me yeah and gilbert didn't pitch badly but walked a couple uncharacteristically uh gave up the three runs on five hits uh brash comes in for two-thirds you're still okay there the other castillo pitches an inning gives up a hit muñoz uh one inning gives up two runs on three hits he gave up the home run to bregman to got it to seven to five yep. yeah and then uh, Seawald, as you mentioned, you know, he gave up two earned runs as well. So, but they've been going with Seawald most of the year in that spot. So that he, he uh, I guess they had talked about it before the series, and they talked to Robbie Ray about it, but it it, uh, it backfired this time. I guess I, I, I would, Ray probably starts, if there is a game four, I would think he starts it. And, and when you, and, and to take it further and put it under the microscope, if you're playing the Houston Astros in Houston, and you get this line on Justin Verlander. Four innings. You got to win. Six earned runs. Yep. Ten hits. A walk. That's humble. I mean, when does that guy melt down like that? Last only four innings. Give up six runs. All earned on ten hits. You have to win that yeah, game. Absolutely. No question about it. There's, uh, that's just, it's a game like that. And then they had to sit around all day on an off day. And Stu, instead of getting right back out to the ballpark and sit, I uh, real tough. It's tough them going home. It's been a nice story. I'm sure the Seattle fans will be out tomorrow night. Uh, or no, they're off tomorrow. It's a travel day. So uh, Saturday play Saturday, Sunday, Monday. If uh, if it continues that long, so they'll be out and they'll they'll be behind their team and all that stuff. But uh, just uh, it, they've dug themselves a hole and it goes back to game one. No doubt, they should have won it. All right. Well, we'll get into the National League series. And the other series as well with the Yankees and Guardians because Andy Isco is going to weigh in there. Uh, he knows his baseball as well as anybody, except, of course, the great Wayne Krivsky, who 41 years in the big leagues, all different uh, uh, positions. Did you ever sell programs? What was the, uh, what was the entry level? What was the lowest entry. level position that Krivsky had yeah, in major leagues? Yeah, 1977. Uh, selling season tickets and some of the people – didn't understand why working for the Texas Rangers. What what was I doing calling them about tickets? They they said, "Aren't you law enforcement? Don't you ride horseback?" <laughs> That's how much respect the Rangers had back in 1977. Oh, wow. I did get that a couple times. And how long were you there? I was with the Rangers for 18 years, then off to Minnesota. Wow. Yeah, for for 11, and then Cincinnati. When was Nolan Ryan there? I was there for Nolan Ryan. Yeah, That's there's awesome. a great documentary, by the way. I've watched it on Delta on the on the flights back and forth facing Nolan. Hour and forty minute documentary. Anybody listening, go to uh, the movie section and new releases facing Nolan. If you're on a if you're on an airline with the uh, 
with the TV and the monitor, it's worth watching. Really, his story in baseball, it's outstanding. Was there another pitcher in history that you know, without cheating, that got as strong on the twilight end of his career as Nolan Ryan? It's funny you should mention that, Ken. He always used to say, as you get older, you got to work harder. And I can remember many times walking down to the clubhouse, maybe the day after he pitched or whatever, and his wife would be in there working out with him in the morning, maybe nine, ten o'clock in the morning. He says, as you get older, you got to work harder to keep up. And, and he was an epitome of that. And he was somebody that was hell-bent on using the leg strength. Oh, make, tremendous right? leg strength. Yeah, I'd, I'd see him pushing the weights there on the, uh, on the, uh, on the Universal. And, and uh, yeah, he, he was... That was the key to him, his legs. And for any power pitcher, you'll see, look at look at Spencer Strider. Look at the legs on that kid. He's 22 or 3 years old or whatever he is this year. Got a chance to be rookie of the year. He's tremendous leg strength. And that's when you're scouting, that's what I would always look at on a on a young pitcher because uh, that's where it starts, your foundation. Who as far as all your organization with different teams, who's up there with Ryan as maybe the best pitcher that's been involved in an organization that you were with? Oh, that I was with. Well, good question. Uh, we had some good pitching a minute. Brad Radke could really pitch. Not a power pitcher like Nolan. Uh, on a reliever, Mitch Williams, we took in a real five draft one year. He could run it up there pretty good. Uh, uh, let's see. Gosh, you caught me off guard starters. there. Starters. What about any starters? Anybody? Yeah, Bronson Arroyo was tremendous durability in Cincinnati. 200 innings every year for about nine, nine or ten straight years. Aaron Harang was a solid starter, not not Nolan Ryan's category, obviously, but solid human beings and and good pitchers. Um, let's see who else. Um, How about when you were there with the Orioles? Uh, we didn't have much pitching back then. They the the, the club was down there. Uh, the Mets. Uh, I think that was before Degrom. Uh, Gosh, I'd have to give that some when more thought. No one's, no one's jumping out at lighter? me. Were you there with No, I was, only, I was with the Mets for one year or two years in 2010 and 11 before I went back to Minnesota. And I, I did not spend a lot of time in New York or see the team play a whole lot. I was out scouting, scouting. quite a bit. So I. Um, Last question. What's your favorite country, if you had a choice, to go scout? Ball players. Oh boy, probably ball players. Yeah, I all my scouting camp was in, in the states. I did go to the Dominican a couple times, and that's that's fun to go there. You're really seeing a lot of uh, uh, untapped potential there, and young kids. You see a lot of good arms there with loose, wiry bodies that uh, you can project on and hopefully get stronger, get on a better diet, and that kind of thing. But uh, it's fascinating that with the kids play all the time. So it's uh, it's fun to go to the Dominican and see those younger guys play. It's great to have perspective from one of the guys that did it for a long time in the big leagues and that hands-on and what he looks for from all the different angles as far as being involved in the big leagues. Andy Isco is going to join us right after the break. You're listening to SportsX Radio, 101.5 on the FM side, 720 on the AM side, KDWN. You miss any part of the show, the archive's up by 11 o'clock Pacific time, Monday through Friday. You can hear those uh, archived plays with no commercials on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Facebook. Angela takes us to break. We're live from Vegas. We'll be right back.
man, because I love, uh, you know, it, it has like that eerie Halloween feel to it, that music right there. Now, I'm a big fan of different types of music, so I don't know this uh, this uh, version of whatever it is, but it sounds, you know, like something that I would listen to. Just I love instrumentals, too. I'm a big fan of Danny Elfman and uh, Oingo Boingo back in the day and Dead Man's Party, all that stuff. Clue me in, Angelo. Who is this? This is John Wick mode. So this is actually the song that they play over at T-Mobile Arena when the Golden Knights are introduced onto the ice for the pregame. Now that is that is good stuff right there. Okay, so yeah, it sounded a little bit familiar there, and I haven't made as many games as I'd love to. My good pal Mark Chinook does a great job there as far as being the uh, guy, the MC over there at T-Mobile. Right now, Golden Knights continue to lead with four minutes to go in the second period, one nothing over the Chicago Blackhawks. We're keeping an eye on that game right here. Wayne Krivsky in studio, and uh, I forgot to tell, did I, I, Angelo, I forgot to tell you to call Andy Isco. Oh, is he? Okay. I, I didn't even, you know, I'm taking for granted that Angelo knows. I, I mean, I'm talking to Wayne about it. Yeah, Kriv's going to join us, I, I, you know, at the top is what I told Angelo, and he's going to be in studio. And then I, I was like, wait, did I tell Angelo that uh, the great AI, the original AI, not Alan Iverson, it's Andy Isco, of course, joining us here uh, the rest of our number one and throughout the rest of the show. Andy Isco, it is great to have you, my man. And I know you are a baseball Guy, you love baseball, I mean, and, and the history and, and just all that great stuff. Uh, so I wanted to get your take on that uh, Astros series with the Mariners because that first game is just one of those punches. It's almost like a Buster Douglas uppercut. Like all of a sudden you think you're in control. Next thing you know, you're on the canvas, and I think that's what happened to the Mariners. I'm just wondering how many people are going to cancel their Amazon Prime subscription tomorrow. Oh yeah, well I don't I don't know why that game went down to the to the last play there with the yeah, Bears. You stayed awake, you yeah. know about it. Well, yeah. uh, look they, here's they a th- have a, you know they they have a rebroadcast of it uh, at least the NFL Network does. I think it starts around nine thirty. So I've got it recorded, and uh, if I have trouble falling asleep tonight, I'll be watching it. Andy, how close was that? To be, I mean, within inches, right, of, of being a touchdown to give the Bears a thirteen. A little bit more than that. It looked initially like it might have been, but uh, uh, you know, it's just two bad football teams playing badly. Although you know, you look at the box score and you see that Chicago ran the football for something like two hundred and thirty-eight yards, and you wonder how they couldn't manage more than uh, seven points. And you really have to come down to the uh, quarterback play. It's such a quarterback league, not just at the elite level, but at the very bottom level as well. You you really need a competent quarterback to at least be in the ballgame. No doubt. Justin Fields, he rushed for 88 yards on 12 carries. He threw for 190 and a touchdown, had the interception, but he was sacked five times. That's big time. Wentz, 12 of 22 for 99 yards, but he didn't turn it over. Uh, Brian Robinson, Back in the lineup, 17 carries, 60 yards, and a touchdown. And then receiving-wise, nobody really to write home about McLaurin at three for 41. That was it. Uh, you know, Pettis had four for 84 for the Bears, and Mooney seven for 68. Pettis did have a touchdown as well, so you get some points that way. Uh, the last play, uh, the play prior to the final play, the Bears where they come up a half yard short or whatever as far as getting the go-ahead touchdown, I thought there was blatant pass interference on that play beforehand on the, uh, uh, you know, and I'm watching, you know, over there on Angelo's big screen in the other room, but it looked to me for all intents and purposes, I, I thought it was Mooney that got kind of yanked down. I, I may be wrong on who it was because I was looking with no sound and, and uh, looking in there, but looked like it could have been 
you know, a pass interference call in the end zone, which would have set the Bears up on it, first you know, and goal. The, the, they, the NFL really has a problem. They need to address pass interference because you could, I would say on 95% of the plays, you could call it offensive or defensive because they're both jostling each other as they're trying to get in position for the ball. NFL needs to do something. Maybe they need to reassess that if they call pass interference, it's not a spot foul. It's a 15-yard foul, 15-yard penalty rather. Or maybe they just need to say, hey, I know it's going to slow the game down. Maybe we can liberalize some of the offensive holding rules, but uh, we'll make the, and, and in its place, uh, we'll let the offensive linemen do a little bit more holding than, than they're supposed to be called on, uh, but we'll make uh, pass interference calls uh, reviewable with a challenge, just like uh, other plays. Yeah, and I was listening. The NFL game these days, there's a lot of excitement, but there's also a lot of unwatchable football. Yeah, I was listening to the West Virginia radio network driving in and listening to the end of the Baylor-West Virginia game. And I don't know the guy's name. I know his first name is Tony, the guy, the uh, lead broadcaster there, the play-by-play guy for West Virginia. Justin Johnson Jr. uh, had 12 carries for 48 yards and a touchdown in pretty much the first half and had gotten a couple carries in the second half. But Tony Mathis Jr. also came in, and ironically, his first name is Tony, like the play-by-play guy. Well, he had the big touchdown run of 37 yards that gave them the lead, but he was calling it, and he's like, and Justin Johnson Jr., a coming-out party big time in the West Virginia backfield. So he does that whole thing. Now, how do you go back because you got the wrong guy getting the touchdown like for the end of the game? Let's go back to the, the game-winning touchdown. And, uh, well, you know, the football players aren't perfect. No, announcers aren't all. Oh, no, no, I know. Mistakes. No, I, I, I'm just saying, yeah, I've done. In, I've, I, announcer mistakes don't cost teams football games. No, I get it. No, I mean, I, I'm just saying from a broadcaster's yeah. perspective, and I've done play-by-play, and I've made mistakes too, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's tough because there's nothing you can do. People have heard it, and you can't go back and change it, and you can't use it in the postgame show as a highlight. You're going to have to kind of, you know, go by it and go, hey, well, just uh, gave the wrong guy we credit. We all make mistakes. I've got a bunch of them. They're called losing tickets. Oh, yeah. Well, we all have plenty of those. Not, not Krivsky, though. Krivsky's, uh, Krivsky, you haven't lost a ticket in a long time. Well, at least against me. <laughs> we haven't me. talked in a couple. Yeah. <laughs> now, I have to you a question. It was going to be very difficult for Seattle to put forth a good effort today. Although, can you really use it as an excuse? Because after falling one nothing, they did take a two-one lead early in the game and couldn't hold it. So, but how much of that is it's in the back of your mind that we couldn't hold a huge lead yesterday and maybe something today? But it's a new day. Houston's just the better team, I think, right yeah. now. Well, I've, I've thought it really for the, about the last four months. Houston's the best balanced team in football, in, in, in Major League Baseball, rather. I give them the edge over the Dodgers because of the overall quality of their pitching. Dodgers got to get there, Andy. I'm worried about the Dodgers. I like. Yeah, I, I agree with you. On, I agree with you. On, Atlanta. I, uh, the, you know, the more I like what I see with this team as well. They've they've certainly matured over the course of the season, and of course they won it last year. And you know now that you've got uh, you know Strider, uh, uh, Kyle Wright who pitched uh, yesterday is well he showed what he had last year in the playoffs. Charlie Morton is a serviceable number four or number five depending upon where they want to put him. Uh, the, the rookie Strider, uh, and of course Freed who uh, you know didn't have his best stuff, but. Uh, is still the ace of that staff, uh, and the bullpen has improved over the course of the season as well. So Atlanta's going to be a, a very difficult out. And, of course, the Mets, well, 
I actually made a play on, on San Diego for this series because I felt the Mets lost their chance when they got swept in Atlanta over the final weekend. I think I talked about it. Uh, uh, well, we, I, don't, no, I don't think I was on a show last week, but I know I was talking with folks about it on some shows. I had bet Atlanta in game one on Friday night. The thought being that Atlanta really needed to win that game to pull even with the Mets in the National League East. They won the game. In game two, uh, I did not bet that game because my thought was one of those teams has to win, one of those teams has to lose. These teams are so even, though, that I'm going to bet on the loser of game two, the Saturday game, uh, once the Mets, well, once Atlanta won game one to take a one-game lead. I'm going to bet the winner of that game, in, uh, the, I'm sorry, the loser of, of, of uh, Saturday's game in Sunday, basically saying, okay, it's going to tie the teams with three games remaining. The Mets, I think, would hold the tiebreaker edge if that had happened. Uh, uh, you know, and then it would depend on what happened in the three games that each team was to play. What I didn't like about the Mets losing is the way they lost. They fall behind one nothing, and then they go up three to one. I think it was two or three innings later. And here's what I didn't like: they couldn't hold the lead. They gave those three runs back in the bottom of the inning. So from a three-one lead, they couldn't even get their net next at bat holding the lead. Yeah, and they led three to one, and they had first and third, nobody out. They couldn't get that runner home from third. That's a cardinal sin right there. Criv, I got to get your take on. Yeah. This because I didn't understand this. Uh, going back and look, I'm not crying over spilled milk. The, the Mets lo- and I, I said I would only bet the Padres in the series as far as the playoffs. But in that series with Atlanta, the Mets were scheduled to go. Bassett with, was going to go Friday. Bassett Friday, sure. Uh, Degrom Saturday, Scherzer Sunday night. Why switch it to where you have Bassett now go Sunday? You go with uh, Scherzer on Friday, so you actually move him two days up. And then, you know, DeGrom's on set. I, yeah. I, I just don't get I it. Think, well, I th- I'm trying to give you the benefit of their thing. I think they wanted – all they really needed was one win because they had the edge. They mm-hmm. would, that would have given them the 10-9 edge for the season. They needed one game. I think Buck calculated – you know, he's going to throw his best pitcher uh, Friday night to get to get that win, and then, then he could set up the rotation anyway. He was thinking ahead a little bit, but uh, – Talking about the, the Padres series having Bassett go and get no, you were, no, you're talking about the Braves series. Weren't I'm you talking can't... about the Braves series. Yeah, the, because the, they, the they Mets needed switched, to win one game. They, right, they switched up the rotation. The order should have been Bassett Friday, Degrom Saturday, Scherzer Sunday. Instead, they switched Scherzer to Friday, but no one went DeGrom on short. Go Saturday, and then they, you come back with Bassett on Sunday. There's no way I'm betting on freaking Bassett to yeah, win on Sunday. He's counting on winning one of those first two games, and then he's got more rest for Degrom going into the playoffs. I understand why he did it. No, no one pitched on short rest, so they all had enough days. Right, Degrom had enough Friday. days. Who, who was it? Was it Bassett who pitched through the game three against the Padres? Yep. I, I would have had Scherzer pitch game three. You don't know if you're going to go to game three, but if you're going to go to game three because the series is tied 1-1, you want one of your, your two aces out there in that critical game, game three, especially a guy like Scherzer who, you know, he, he's got World Series experience. I think Bassett would have been on short rest if you moved him up, though. I, you might have made that. I, maybe I don't not think they would have done that. Game, but maybe you pitch Bassett three, four innings until he starts showing signs of weakness, and then you maybe bring in a guy like Carrasco or Walker. Yeah, well, my, my, my thing was you, you have no business changing what was working. You're going into Atlanta. So what if Bassett loses on Friday? All that does is bring you even, and then you got your two aces going back to back. I, I, I didn't like it. And, be, you know, when it got to Sunday night, and now you're a game behind the Braves, they're at home with all the momentum, and you got your number three pitcher going. And, and you know he's, he's feeling the pressure because Scherzer got racked on Friday. You moved him two days up. 
I, I just don't understand it. I thought, okay, was there an injury? No, there's not. It's just getting cute and twi- trying to tweak something that didn't need to be tweaked. Look, I respect Showalter as a manager, but Kenny also told me, Kenny Kelly said, look, he had the same problem in New York with the Yankees that he did stuff like that. The next year they take him away and they win the World Series. You know, he, he was there. He's a good manager, but sometimes, yeah. you know, you find like to try to find explanation. I, I was trying to decide trying to think why he would do that and it made sense to me it, you weren't I mean that is the series of the year you got to but it, uh, he wasn't counting on DeGrom and Scherzer losing in both first two games either but they like Bassett Bassett's been a solid guy but if, but if you like him so throw him Friday I'm saying worst case scenario he loses you have DeGrom and Scherzer going Saturday Sunday it could go you could make a good case either way I although think. to be fair DeGrom had not been pitching all that well over his last three or four starts yeah, our last couple at least. You're right, Andy. But it, was a, it was a good start by most pitcher standards. It's very mediocre for him. He had that real bad one in Oakland. The, the, the Mets blew it when they get swept at home by the Cubs. They lose a couple to the one to Oakland, a couple to Miami. You know, they, they had the schedule. They, they, they blew it yep. prior to playing Atlanta, really. Well, bottom line is Philly also got swept by the Cubs, you know, a couple days later. And Philly ended up uh, coming out of their series with St. Louis. You know, smelling was, like that, roses. That was, that was a good matchup for the Phillies. I think that was a bigger surprise even than Seattle beating Toronto. Yeah, they I both. Seattle had a good chance against I, Toronto. I like Philly, Andy, from the standpoint you got Nolan Wheeler against those right-handed hitters for the Cardinals. I, I, I didn't were, like. Who were indeed, and they did in that series. They were struggling at the end of the. And they are not on Gold, Goldsmith. We're not hitting. It kind of no. neutralizes Pujols a little bit. I. Uh, and the thing that I, a lot of commentators are talking about how bad the Phillies' bullpen. No, it's not. Since Rob Thompson's taken over, their bullpen has been solid. Their full-year numbers don't look great. But if you take a look, let's say, all-star game forward, very, very Yeah, fine. we're used to saying the Phillies have a terrible bullpen. But if you dig into their numbers, they're not that bad. They're, they're better than middle of the pack since Thompson yeah. took over. I mean, Thompson went 65-46. and 46. All right, so guys, real quick before the top of the hour, Let's drop in the uh, the Yankees in Cleveland. Game two was rained out. They'll try game two tomorrow in New York. Games uh, three and four will be in Cleveland if necessary. The game four, don't know. Yankees lead the series 1-0. Andy, Cleveland's only put up four runs in three games. Now, they won two of those games against Tampa Bay, but only one run against the Yankees lost the opener 4-1. to one. How big is that game tomorrow? Does Cleveland have to win, in your guesstimation, well, if this were a best of seven, I would say no. But because it's a best of five, I would say they pretty much have to win because it's very difficult to see them, considering their general lack of offense, although the Yankee pitching is not that outstanding, uh, it's tough to see them scoring enough runs uh, in three consecutive games to, uh, to win. What I'm actually looking at in the, in the game tomorrow uh, is uh, the under in probably the first, uh, uh, first five innings of that game. I like the way Cortez has pitched down the East. He started off the year brilliantly, then he sort of went to a little mediocre stretch, and then late in the season after he came back from injury, uh, he had already started to pitch well, uh, that uh, uh, he's going well, and of course Beaver... 
he ostensibly he's the ace of the uh, of Cleveland, but Tristan McKenzie is right up there with him with the kind of uh, year that he had. Although Bieber, of course, a little bit more experienced, so they may that that's why they may have decided. Uh, although regular rest wouldn't wouldn't have made that much of a difference with the rainout, start Bieber because of the uh, uh, of the experience. So I, I might take a look at the under in the first uh, uh, in the first five innings. Uh, I'm thinking the total game for the, the line for the total line for the game is uh, I think it's six and a half, and I'm showing uh, the uh, first three innings tomorrow uh, to be at three with the over juiced a little bit. So uh, I don't know that against those pitchers through five innings uh, that uh, they're going to be able to. You've got the I think you've got the stronger pitcher in Beaver with what he's accomplished going up against the stronger lineup, the Yankees, and Cortez who's pitched well is going up against the weaker offense. So I might look to play that game uh, with the uh, uh, with the under under three in the first five. Although I wouldn't rule out Cleveland has been playing so well, they also have a bullpen that's uh, pitched extremely well, and right now their bullpen's better than the Yankees. Wayne, your take on yeah. tomorrow's game? Who do you like, uh, Cleveland, I, with Bieber against Nestor Cortez? I, I like. I lean towards Bieber. I like Bieber. This guy has been as consistent as anyone in the big leagues. His last fourteen starts, thirteen have been quality, and most of them have been two runs or less, uh, or one run or less. He hasn't faced the Yankees all year. I think that's advantage Bieber. They haven't seen him live. I'm sure they've seen him in past years, but not this year. Uh, this gets a little dicey for the Yankees if Cleveland can pull off the upset tomorrow. Uh, Let me just give you something. Yeah. Though, over the last three games for both these guys, both have pitched 18 innings. Both are 2-0. and For Bieber, a 2.89 ERA with a whip, walks and hits per innings pitched under 1.96. He's given up a couple home runs. For Nestor Cortez, 2-0, and 18 innings, point. 0.49 ERA, a whip of 0.71. So even better. Better than 2.4 runs per the last 18 it's a innings. Example, but it does show they're both in good form. Right, but I'm saying it shows Cortez is unhittable right now in the last 18 innings. Bieber's pitched well. Your ERA is just under three. Your whip is under one, which is always good. Your walks and hits per innings pitched. But at the end of the day, Cortez over the last 18 innings has been much more dominant. I I, I, I trust Bieber more than I trust Cortez in this situation. Uh, right, so I'll, bet you, I'll bet you on that game. I'm just looking at what yeah. Cortez has done and the Yankee crowd. I'll take I'll take the Yankees tomorrow. Whatever you like it is. Minus one thirty five. I'll give you minus one thirty five. Or plus, or you mean yeah, plus, you get plus uh, one. I'll give you plus one twenty five. I see a plus one thirty out there. there you but go, plus one thirty. So you go fifty to sixty five. I'm going to give you your fifty now, so we'll have a clean slate. Yeah. You win tomorrow's game, then you get sixty five back from KT next Thursday. Another fifty on this game. Before, we uh, yeah. have to worry about lamb chops next week. We're well, good. Either I'll, either way, lamb chops are coming into play because Hoke is. Yeah, chomping at the bit. He's probably got his like a bib on already. I'll, I'll give you a shot at this one. I'll, right. go, I'll do that. Right. So I got plus 65. There you go. And, right. uh, and Angelo, next Thursday, I want to hear a little Justin Bieber music if Shane <laughs> Bieber gets his butt kicked tomorrow by the Bronx Bombers. I'm sure you do. All right. Uh, a couple minutes to go before we get into Look hour out, number yeah, two. If, yeah, if they, if they win. Look out. It's going to be interesting going back to Cleveland. Yeah. you got McKenzie against Severino. And know. If, if the Mets would have beat San Diego, they'd be playing the Dodgers. Yeah. Both guys go go six innings, and it's a scoreless game. Whatever the final is, and they, they don't have anything to do with it, it's still a bet. That's right. Okay. I'm, I'm good. There. I'm, I'm good. We're good. Krivsky's 2-0 and against me, man. i gotta, I got to break this streak. 
And, you know, I'm tired of getting paid off. Well, I, I mean, I, third time's the charm well, or strike three, one of the two. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Even though I've been losing these bets, I've been getting Get double, back and double in cookies, uh, double and brownies. In cookies and brownies. <laughs> I, I knew where you were going there. I mean, if I just opened a little cookie shop up outside of Beasley Broadcasting over here, uh, I, I'd be in the I'd be in the good there. Uh, she probably gives away more cookies than she sells. But. Oh, no, man, I'm telling you, Andy. Uh, I got a few of the uh, Georgia Delight saved for you, and we're going right. to get into. Uh, the Georgia delight. If you're a baseball fan, we got about 40 seconds to go, and then we'll get into that Braves Philly series. That's tied at one, and the Dodgers Padres tied at one, heading to Petco. Mm, it's going to be fun tomorrow. Some baseball, some football, and what a weekend of football with college on Saturday, NFL on Sunday. Boy, it's going to be some good stuff. And then Monday night, Chargers and Broncos. Great Sunday night game with Philly hosting Dallas, and of course that matinee game, the late game. 125 kickoff, Kansas City at home against Buffalo. Yeah, How much I'm fun really will that be? I'm surprised that the NFL didn't have either the Kansas City game on Monday and the Philly game Sunday or vice versa instead of having the you know, Chargers and Denver up there on a Monday night. I think that going into the season, we knew Kansas City Buffalo was going to be like maybe the most anticipated Andy, game of the year. Andy, we'll talk about it on the other side. We'll talk about we'll talk about it on the other side. SportsX Radio, first hour in the books, 101.5 on the FM side, 720 on the AM side. KDWN's where we're at. We'll be right back. Welcome back from halftime. It's just after 9 o'clock in the big city. Time to continue America's favorite Las Vegas sports show. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson. <laughs> yeah. What up? Party's going on. Duh. Going to a party. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson is brought to you by Hannah Shea Boyle and Rappaputi. Trial lawyers that get results. Visit PSBRLaw.com. Steiner's Pub, a true Nevada-style pub with three locations. One on Cheyenne, one on Buffalo, and one on the south end of the Strip. Steiner's Pub. We love this place. Preventative Diagnostic Center. Book your non-invasive scan today. Day for peace of mind, visit pdcenterlv.com. Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance, 702-335-5744, 702-335-5744. Union 872, the builders of Allegiant Stadium and the Las Vegas Ballpark, home of the Aviators. Promodirect.com, use K-10 for a 10% discount on your promotion items order. Promodirect.com and by William Hill Racing Sportsbook, America's leading racing sportsbook. Visit WilliamHill.us. So get ready because Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. now. All right, hour number two, throwback Thursday. Ken Thompson, Wayne Krivsky on the PSBR Law Hotline is Andy Isco. Real quick update Houston, a 4 2 win. This afternoon, a two-games-to-none lead for the Astros over the Seattle Mariners. They'll play Game 3 from Seattle on Saturday. Game 4 from Seattle, if necessary, on Sunday. And Game 5 would be back in H-Town if, indeed, the Mariners can get the sweep at home over the weekend. Meanwhile, we've got uh, NHL hockey going. And uh, let me see if I can get the update on some of these games other than the Vegas Golden Knights. Knights do lead 
right now, one nothing over Chicago. Third period is underway, just one nothing. But the Knights right now are on the power play for another minute fifty right there. T-Mobile, so we'll keep an eye there in the NHL. A couple other games going besides the Knights game: five three Calgary, seven oh eight to go in the third period. They continue to hold that two goal lead over the defending Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche, and Seattle has grabbed a three one lead late second inside the final minute of the second period over the L.A. Kings. Could have got those Kraken plus 160 earlier today. And I gave you all the finals in the NHL. But if you missed it, 4-1 to Buffalo beat Ottawa. 6-2 Pittsburgh skates past Arizona at home. Philly a 5-2 win over the Jersey Devils. Florida 3-1. They win against the Islanders on the road. 3-2 Toronto at home. Get past Washington. Caps drop to 0-2. 7-3 Rangers go to 2-0 as they blitz Marc-Andre Fleury and the Wild in the opener for Minnesota. 4-1 Dallas gets past Nashville on the road. Nice effort by the Stars, and that's DeBoer coaching that team. And then uh, the other three games going now. We'll keep an eye on that Golden Knights game right here. Again, one nothing as they've got about 45 seconds left on their power play as they lead the Chicago Blackhawks, who lost a tough game last night. Andy Isco, before we left, uh, I know you wanted to get something else in. I'm sorry, that hard break comes up on us, so I, I didn't mean to cut you off. But uh, uh, your last take as far as uh, the Yankees in Cleveland, because that's where we were as far as that series. Uh, who do you like in that game tomorrow? Because I know I got the bet with Krivsky, but who do you like, Andy? Yeah, I, I don't recall what I was saying. I don't think it was related to that game, but none, nonetheless, uh, I, I think my way for approaching the game was to play the under three for the first five innings. I expect both Cortez and Bieber to... Uh, uh, to show up and pitch well early. I don't know how long they'll stay in there, but hopefully at least five innings and we won't see much scoring. Uh, I like this Cleveland bullpen, and I think the value in the game, and value doesn't always win, but the value is is with Cleveland. They they can put some runs on the board. They've got a, a good lineup, and you know they come down to Aaron Judge, and most teams, unless the rest of the lineup is producing, are pitching around Aaron Judge, and I think that, Cleveland, that gives Cleveland an advantage. The Yankees did take five out of six from Cleveland, but they met way back early in the season. Yeah, and I did say that to Wayne, that they did pitch to uh, Judge. He struck him out. They struck him out three times. That game will start at 10.07 a.m. out here on the left coast. Baseball. Yeah, 10.07 a.m. on the west coast, and uh, the Yankees will host that game in New York in the Bronx, and that game will start at 107 locally. Again, game two, Bieber and Cortez. Right now, Cortez at the Westgate, minus 137. Six and a half is the runs. Uh, is the run as far as the total, and it's shaded minus 120. So when we say that, that means you have to, if you see that U and 20 there, that means you have to bet $120 to win 100 if you indeed think that the game will go under the total of 6.5. If there's a little O there, then they're going to lay that, what we call the juice, to the over. And we'll we'll go through that. We've uh, tried to break it down. There's a lot of sports betting going on around the country. Uh, a lot of people getting familiarized and trying to understand stuff, so we try to break that stuff down for you here on SportsX Radio. Guys, tomorrow, Atlanta and Philly from the city of brotherly love. Aaron Nola, we know, is going for the Phils. I still don't see a pitcher listed for the Atlanta Braves. Criv, who goes? Yeah, I've I've seen Morton. I've heard Strider. I heard a little interview this morning with Brian Snitker, and they're debating it. They're, it even going up on the plane, they said they were going to talk about it. So they're very much undecided. Whoever doesn't pitch will probably go game four. Uh, I saw one place had Morton listed, but uh, they took that down and said, you know, any pitcher. So, uh uh, I think they're undecided. I, I, it's a tough call which way to go. Strider hasn't pitched since September 18th. He's had an oblique. Uh, young pitcher, got a lot of innings. He hasn't pitched in a while. 
relies on that fastball slider. Um, had a hell of a year. He's probably going to be rookie of the year. If not, it'd be the Harris kid that plays for the Braves. But tough call for that. Which one's going to go? I, I don't. I don't know. All right. So Andy uh, Nola, twelve and thirteen on the year. You'd expect better from him record wise. An ERA three point one five. Not bad. His WHIP for the year walks and hits per innings pitch under one, which is outstanding. Point nine five. But in his last three outings, nineteen innings. 1.86 ERA and a whip of .62. Pretty darn good. He struck out 23 in those 19 innings and only allowed one home run. So that's that's pretty good form going into that game, no matter who pitches for Atlanta. Yeah, uh, I'm wondering if the Braves might be thinking, because of the experience, they may want Morton to pitch in game four, either to close out the series or bring him back 2-2, which makes me think that maybe they will go with Strider uh, tomorrow. I, c- I could understand them doing it either way, but I think they want to have uh, – I-, I think if it goes with the overall performance and experience, they may want the experience uh, for the uh, nerves for game four. But uh, Noel has pitched actually better than uh, – equivalent to or better than those numbers further back than just his last three starts. Um, I haven't even seen a line anywhere. I saw one offshore line that – and I don't know if they did it on regardless of who's going to pitch or they may have used Morton when it was expected to, that has uh, the Phillies and Nola minus 125, which seems to be uh, – again, it depends on who Atlanta throws, but that might be a little bit high if it's against a guy like Morton, even though I, I like his experience. I like the way this Atlanta team has been really been playing. Actually, both of these teams have played well, although the Phillies did have a little bit of a slump when they were still contending to – assert themselves as to perhaps the second best wild card behind either the Mets or the Braves but they seem to have overcome that late in the season. Uh, I like the experience that uh, uh, again that Atlanta has. You know, Philly's back in the playoffs for the first time in a while. Uh, Aaron Nola, uh, you know, their their best pitcher. I could see uh, I could see Atlanta uh, maybe going with Morton tomorrow or on Sunday. So but without knowing the matchup, don't know, don't know how I can make a play. I like I like the Philly either way, whoever pitches. I like Nola against either one of those two. I, I think the Braves are in a bit of dilemma here. Morton's got a 6 ERA against the Phillies in 42 innings. That's six starts. And Strider is, you know, three runs and 21 and a third against the Phillies, but he has the thing that bothers me, he hasn't pitched in three and a half weeks. Yeah, that's a long time. And so what, that, the, that's very pl- problematic. If they could get Schwarber to hit, I mean, the guy doesn't have a hit yet. No, he's uh, really stuck Gufflin. They're pitching him tough, and he's he looks lost. It's going to be a fun series. I like series. Nola either way, no matter who pitches for Atlanta. Tomorrow. I'm with you. I'm going to take a shot on the fight in Phils, and it's not because Atlanta finished ahead of the Mets for you. Uh, I have some friends <laughs> going to the game, so if I don't play it, which I likely won't, I'll root for the Phillies. Yeah, I'm rooting for the Phillies. I mean, I have Bryce. Happy. Yeah, and Bryce Harper's a Vegas kid. I'd like to see him yeah. uh, excel a little bit in the postseason. So uh, Atlanta won it last year. Look, I have no no problem with the Braves that they won it last year. Great job, but I'd like to see somebody else that hasn't won in a while. And that's why, you know, even though I have uh, money on the Yankees to win the series, if Cleveland somehow, I mean, it would be a phenomenal story. Here they go all these years, and they haven't won it since 1948. But that was as the Indians. Now in their first year as the Guardians, they can win the whole thing, Wayne Krivsky. Yeah, uh, that, that, that's amazing. That, I'm sorry, say that again, Ken. I, I said they haven't won it since 1948 <laughs> oh, as, the, as the Indians are now yeah. in their first year. You know, my uh, former boss, Eddie Robinson, was the last living player from the 48 team. He just passed away about uh, late last year, October, November. Hell of a guy. He was 100 years old. And he's the last. Yeah, he, he, 
he, he held on. A, he held on as long as he could to see to see him win again. Yeah, that's that series gets interesting if it goes back to Cleveland. I'll tell you what, though, it'd be interesting to see, uh, and of course it's not going to be as easy as we thought, Freddie Freeman going up against his former team if we get uh, Braves-Dodgers. Yeah, well, I'm not rooting for that. So I'm rooting for Phillies. The Phillies have Phil- a problem in game four. How about I don't Phillies know who's and Padres? Let's, let's get some yeah. new, new teams Maybe. in there. It really dropped the ratings for whoever uh, has the World Series. <laughs> What's that? Syndergaard. Uh, he hasn't pitched in a while, Andy. I don't know. He wasn't. In, he really wasn't in their rotation there at the end of the year. They had Brady Falter and Kyle Gibson, and it could be Syndergaard, but he hasn't. I don't think he's pitched in a while. And in, in the his last the outings were out of the I think, but out of the on pen. On one hand, it means he's fresh. On the other hand, it maybe means he's nursing an injury. Yeah, I'm not real sure what his status is. He to had be a honest, very average year this year. Yeah, I, he's a possibility though. That he'll probably get in the game somewhere. Uh, I don't know if he would start it or not. All right, so Criv, you like you like Philly to win the series? It's tied at one. Would you take? No, Philly? I like Atlanta. It, it, I think it's going to go five. Okay, so what's the price now? The adjusted price uh, for the series? Uh, I'm seeing Phillies plus one thirty-five is all. Yeah. So Philly plus one thirty-five. So but you fi- like Nola tomorrow? I, I so like- if you play Philly tomorrow, Wayne, and then you come back with Atlanta in the adjusted series price? Uh, yeah, I could go that way. Yeah. Um, I think Philly's got a problem in Game Four with their starter, and Atlanta will throw either Morton or Strider, all hands on deck if they're down two to one, and then Freed in Game Five, back in Atlanta. So yeah, so that's what I'm saying. I mean, if you like Nola that much, and right now he's only minus one fifteen at the Westgate, at the Circa, at Caesars, take the plus one thirty five for the series. Uh, uh, well, uh, what I'll do, no, what I'll do is I'll take Nola minus the one fifteen, right. and if Philly wins it, and I make my money there, I'll come back and take Atlanta down two games to one. To win the series, I got you. No, that's that helps. That's good. Good thought. That's the way I see it. All right, uh, Dodgers and Padres. Andy, big effort by the Padres because you know the Dodgers have owned this team. Uh, you know, whatever it is, twenty three of twenty seven, something in the you know head to head meetings. But it's a different Padres team, and they fell behind, down one game to none. But they fell behind last night, and they bounced back, and that is a big time win. They got Darvish off the hook. He didn't pitch his best. He pitched great against the Mets, but he struggled in that game. But they came up with some key hits. Tied one apiece. You're going back to San Diego. Blake Snell is an underdog at home against Tony Gonsolin. Right now, you can get a plus 110 on Snell. Total is seven, shaded to the over. There's a lot of seven and a halfs out there, shaded to the under, as far as the run total for the game. Andy, who do you like in tomorrow's game, and who do you like in that series? Well, I've felt for a long time it's going to be the Dodgers uh, against Houston with Atlanta, uh, the team that could spoil it in the National League. And I actually thought Cleveland could spoil it in the American League if they were able to make it that far uh, as opposed to uh, facing Houston. Uh, I like the way Snell has been pitching over the – uh, over the last, uh, oh, I guess probably the last two months he's pitched well after he really labored throughout the early, uh, early part of the season. Uh, you know, but you, what are we seeing? The Dodgers laying roughly 115 to 120. That's a very cheap price for a team that has to win two out of three, one of which has to be obviously uh, in San Diego if they're going to, uh, uh, to win the series. So I think that's a cheap price with the Yankees. I know Gonsolin hasn't pitched in a while for, for, for the Dodgers, rather. I know Gonsolin hasn't pitched in a while, uh, but I still have to go with the overall 
the overall team strength of the uh, Dodgers, and you know maybe they can get the Snell early and take a little bit of pressure off whoever comes in there to relieve uh, Gonsolin if he's only in there for a few innings. Wayne, who do you like in that game tomorrow, I, I, Snell or Gonsolin? I like I like the Padres here. I got this Gonsolin situation. Here he is, the most important game of the year. The man has thrown two innings, one game, two innings since August 24th. I, I, you're putting the guy in a situation I don't like it at all. I, I, I've been kind of down on the, the Dodgers all along because of their starting rotation. is not really what you'd expect from a team that won 111 games. Snell has been better, and he's pitched better at home than on the road. I, I don't know if I completely trust this bird or not, uh, but he has been a little bit better. I think they'll find a way with that crowd and everything. And you're just putting Gonsolin in a terrible spot. He hadn't pitched in a month and a half and two innings. Is a, you're asking too much of a young pitcher, in my opinion. You know, I'm, I'm wondering why they actually are starting starting him as opposed to perhaps at the end of the year if they would have been able to give him two or three innings of relief to see what he has instead of making his first reappearance as a starter. So, But maybe they know something or maybe yeah, it's part of a plan. Yeah, they're expecting a Gonsolin from June, and I just think you're asking too much here. I, I could be wrong. He, maybe he dials one up and gives him six innings, but... Dave Roberts is relying on that bullpen so much, and remember, there's no off day between Game Four and Five, so uh, he's got a that bullpen's going to be, you know, uh, dialing up some innings here, and we'll see it. We'll see. I I kind of like the Padres tomorrow going home. I like the way they're playing. There's a little more confidence. I see some maturity out of Machado that I didn't see in past years. And uh, starting to become more of a, uh, of a factor. If they do win tomorrow, I, I like Musgrove in Game Four to close it out. I'm. Uh, I like that plus one sixty for the Padres to to win. It seems like a low. I like them at plus one sixty to win the series. It's going to be fun. I'll be interested to see what the price would be if uh, uh, if they do beat Gonsolin and the Dodgers tomorrow, whether it's Gonsolin or whatever. But up two one with Musgrove. I wonder what the series price would be, and I wonder if they would make the Dodgers how much of an underdog. Uh, with needing to win one of the final two games. It'll be Tyler Anderson against Musgrove, so that's a quality matchup. Uh, finesse pitcher and all that. Tyler Anderson's had a hell of a year. Uh, Musgrove coming off that game against the Mets. I mean, he, he was nails last Sunday night, so that, that'll be a good matchup. But I, the Padres, put it this way, if you told Bob Melvin he'd be 1-1 going home with this pitching matchup the next two days, he'd take that anytime. Especially in a best of five. Correct. Boy, Petco, beautiful park, just great atmosphere there in San Diego, and now uh, a packed house. They're trying house. not to sell tickets to Dodger fans. You hear about that? With yeah, their air- good luck with that. Yeah. 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 I, okay, because a lot of these tickets. It's going to be a fun atmosphere. It was a great game already. last night, too. I enjoyed watching that game last night. Look, I, I used to work, and it's a different place now, Petco, but I worked at Jack Murph back in the day, and the Dodger fans are all over San Diego and Riverside County and L.A. and Orange County. They're going to be there, and they'll pay – big money for those tickets and when the Padres lose the opener and they're down one game to none you're thinking with Kershaw going if you're a Padres fan uh, we're down 2-0 even if we win the two here we're not going to win the series so there's a lot of those tickets had already been sold to Dodger fans guaranteed it's it's minimum 55-45 Padres and that's minimum I mean I, th- I really think the Dodgers will have better than 50 percent of the fa- of the crowd base there tomorrow be interesting to see. It'll be good. It'll yeah, you be got good. a good. You have a good feel for that market. Yes. Yeah, so, okay. So we've got ten oh seven a.m. tomorrow. It's great to be on the West Coast. 
Uh, 10.07 a.m. tomorrow, Cleveland, Bieber, Yankees, Cortez. Yankees minus 144 now, Cortez at the Westgate. Six and a half, shaded to the under, minus 120. At 1.37 p.m., it's the Braves. We still don't know for sure who's pitching. We believe it's Morton or Strider going for Atlanta against Aaron Nola for Philly. Right now, Nola at the Westgate listed minus 115. Seven and a half is your run total. That's shaded to the under, minus 120 to win 100. And then at 5.37 p.m. Pacific, time. It is Tony Gonsolin for the Dodgers, Blake Snell for the Padres. Right now, Gonsolin at the Westgate, a minus 119. Seven is your run total. Shade it to the over, minus 125. Ken Thompson, Andy Isco, Wayne Krivsky, talking baseball playoffs. Going to be a lot of fun. And remember, Seattle and Houston, they get back underway on Saturday. That'll be Kirby for Seattle. It's a 107 Pacific time start up in the great Northwest with Kirby, minus 105. Lance McCullers on the hill for the Astros, who need a win to close it out in three straight. Total in that game is seven. Shade it to the under, minus 120. Andy, any chance in your uh, mind before we talk? talk some football that uh, Seattle can get a win on Saturday and push it to game four? Uh, Kirby's pitched very, very well down the stretch, so I would give them uh, certainly a, a chance. Um, I know that I, I actually felt um, – uh, not Valdez, uh, Javier. Uh, Christian Javier would be better suited as a starter than a reliever against Lance McCullers, who pitched only really about half a season. Javier's looked very, very sharp, but they decided to put him in the pen. We saw him used a little bit the other night for, I think, about an inning. Uh, if Kirby is not... Uh, Awed by the big stage, I think he gives a good performance for Seattle. And uh, what did you say the price is in that one? Uh, minus one hundred five. Each way, yeah, yep, either yeah, way. Yeah, that looks like that. That's showing an awful lot of respect to Seattle with their uh, backs against the wall. And of course, uh, Houston has really dominated them uh, over the year. And you know the, the way the way they lost game uh, game one. You know, the, the time off will help. Uh, that may be one of those things I might uh, wait to get involved in uh, during the play rather than make a pregame uh, uh, bet. Okay, so NFL. I, yeah, I agree with Dan. I like Javier over McCullers, too. I, I, McCullers, much better pitcher in Houston. He's pitched out of the pen before. So has Javier, obviously. But Javier's been up, like Andy said, been up the whole year. I, I don't like the McCullers decision there. All right. Well, we'll see if it pans out and uh, helps out the Mariners. Or does Houston take them in three straight We'll see if Dusty Baker can continue getting the brakes going his way, courtesy of Mr. Alvarez, who's been on fire and has been instrumental in both wins at Houston. And they leave that series two games to none, heading back to the you Great know, you, Northwest. You, get, you, you lose a guy like Korea a couple of years ago, Springer. Astros are still banging the, uh, uh, the, the baseball, as far as we know, without any help. And they don't have Michael Brantley. That's a huge yeah. bat out of the lineup. And Correa did announce today that he's going to go back to the free agent market. So... With uh, Trey twins. Turner and Dansby Swanson, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, Three quality shortstops. There you go. All right, uh, some football. We, again, we gave you the uh, Commanders 12-7 win at Chicago. The Bears a half yard short of winning that game. I mean, just uh, the old Burt Reynolds' longest yard. They needed him. Couldn't get him. And, uh, like the 27th out, that final yard. There you go. All right, so coming up on Sunday, we've got games, but not for the home team here in Vegas, the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders one and four, Andy Isco, and a tough loss to Kansas City. I laid two and a half with the bye. Yeah, there you go. Uh, in the game Monday, they got that seventeen nothing lead. They jumped on KC. Very tough place to play, Arrowhead. But I thought they played really well, especially to get that lead. And you knew KC is going to make a run at them. 
you know, they lost Waller early. Uh, you know, didn't have him for three quarters of the game, but nonetheless, they had plenty. And Carr stepping up in the pocket, finding Adams on a key touchdown pass, and Josh Jacobs running the ball really well the last several games. I thought the defense was good enough. I mean, anytime you hold Mahomes to thirty, I, I know it's saying it's thirty points at Arrowhead, but that's that's Pat Mahomes, and he is nine and zero, by the way, in his career as an underdog in his NFL career as a starting quarterback. He will be an underdog this Sunday at home against Buffalo. We'll get to that in a little bit. But, Andy, uh, the Raiders, they just couldn't close it out. Your take, with about four minutes to go, they get in the end zone and they decide to go for two. And I guess they had discussed it and and, and said, you know, if we do score, maybe we're going to go for two. I, I don't know which what? was worse, him going, them going for two uh, at that stage or Andy Reid going for two when they're up seven and an extra point puts you up eight. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let, let's go back. Let's start there because I agree with you. And I know they had a backup kicker, Amendola. And that was my reason for the Raiders not to go for two. Not that I didn't think that they probably have a play in there that would work and give them a one-point lead, but let's go risk and reward. Risk is, okay, you're going for it. If you don't get it, now you're down a point and you don't have the ball against Patrick Mahomes. If you get it, you're up a point, and Patrick Mahomes has four minutes on his home field to get a field goal and use the rest of the clock. So risk and reward, I didn't think it was worth the risk, especially when you have Daniel Carlson. And when you have Daniel Carlson, if the game does go into overtime, let's you just say, well, a major edge, because they've got a backup. A major edge because you are st- oh, I, you know, what, what is the greater gap? The gap between Mahomes and Carr or the gap between the backup kicker Amendola and Carlson? That's exactly, what I, that's exactly what I'm getting to, Andy. And if you just let me finish my point, that's exactly what I was gonna, going to say. you got a guy that's made 38 straight field goals against a backup kicker that missed two inside 45. Now, he did make a 59-yarder on the last play of the first half where he gave it all he got, and hey, it's the longest kick ever for a Chiefs kicker there at Arrowhead. But at the end of the day, I've got a guy that's made 38 straight field goals on my team. I'll take my chances in overtime. And I know it's only a 10-minute overtime. I get it. You want to play for the win. You want to be aggressive. But Andy, we've seen it over and over again with a lot of these younger coaches, and I'm not mocking I'm not the old guy sitting back and saying, gosh, darn it, that's not the way the game should be played. No, I'm looking strategically at each game individually and looking at the circumstance. And at that juncture, I just thought I have a major advantage in this kicking game, a 10-minute overtime. I'll take my shot with Daniel Carlson because if KC does win the coin flip and we stop him, we got a great chance to win that football game. And even if we don't, if we win the, the toss, worst-case scenario, uh, more than likely the Raiders are going to put up a field goal. They, they get three points, 60% of their drives. Well, the other thing is, which is more costly to you, a loss or a tie? Clearly you want to win, but what you want to do is be in a position where you don't give up the opportunity to win because now the best you can do is tie, which uh, would have been the situation there. So uh, I don't like a lot of the analytics who say, well, you know, you're better than 50-50 if you go for two. I think that has a lot to do with the situation, the score, of course, the time remaining, etc., and whether it's been a high-scoring game or a low-scoring game. You know, let's say it's 50 
2% that you're successful. Well, great. And that's one, and this one of 10 is either going to be 0% or 100%. That's why I was critical of Andy Reid trying to go up nine when being up eight uh, would have been good. In other words, if, you, if there's going to be two-point attempts, have your opponent have to make the two-point attempt, attempt. Don't you take a two-point attempt where an extra point puts you up eight and forces them to go for two. I agree 100% there. I get it. You want to be up two possessions, but worst-case scenario, you kick the extra point and you're up a full possession. The most they could score is a touchdown and two-point conversion. You are exactly right. Made no sense to me. Look, I know Amendola had missed a couple field goals, but it's a 33-yard extra point. You know, if he misses that, then I get it. Then you go for two the rest of the time, maybe. I mean, but at the end of the day, that blew my mind that they went, they didn't get it. Give the Raiders credit there, snuff that out. All of a sudden, the Raiders down seven. So you gain that advantage there by not having to go for two. And then you go for two and you don't get it. So you leave yourself in a tough predicament down a point without the football. They did get it back, but they had a ways to go in order to get in field goal range. And then that last play, Andy, again, you only need a few yards to get the first down and keep the drive going, get a new set of downs. If I have Devontae Adams one-on-one, I know it worked for a touchdown earlier. If I have Hunter Renfro one-on-one, okay, but both these guys end up in the same vicinity, whether one got bumped on the line of scrimmage and didn't get out on their pattern early enough, whatever happened, it's a, again, risk and reward. When you're throwing the ball that many yards, it's got to be perfect, right? I mean, a little three-yard curl-in, that's all you need for the first down. Get a new set of downs. You don't need to get far for Daniel Carlson. He's made 56-yarders before and I would feel comfortable having Carlson, you know, have that kick to win a game, even if it's from 55 yards, you know, somewhere in that vicinity. Yeah, absolutely. All things being said, I thought the Raiders played well. They yeah. certainly played well enough to win. As they did, I mean, you know, maybe the one bad half they played this year was that second half against Arizona. Yep. All right. So real quick, my grades as far as on the offense, I'm giving the offense a B minus. I know they've had some injuries, uh, but they've been very inconsistent on the defense. I'm giving the defense a C plus. Max Crosby gets an A plus, but the rest of the defense, you know, pretty good. Uh, Chandler Jones actually stepped up against Kansas City and helped create some pressure on Mahomes. So if I get that Chandler Jones the rest of the way, I feel comfortable the Raiders are going to win a bunch of their games uh, in the next several weeks. So we'll see how it pans out. But overall, the, the only defense. Thing I was concerned about the defense because I thought they did a decent job is that the touchdowns they allowed to Kelsey. I don't remember the fourth one, but the, th- the three of them were like from within the 10-yard line. I would have liked to have seen some better defense in that situation. I agree. It seemed like uh, nobody was covering Kelsey sometimes, but uh, yeah, I agree. And he is a tough cover. There's no doubt about it. Um, yeah, it's, it only, it's only about 20 yards, though, between him and the, be- between the line of scrimmage and the back of the end zone. Yep. Uh, so there should have been a little bit better, but you know, again, the, it, all things being said, forget the win-loss records. It was a more important win for Kansas City because you want to defend your home when you're playing a division game. Let's see what happens, how well the Raiders can play when they visit here later in the season. Yeah, and that'll be the last game of the regular season. Hopefully, the Raiders are involved as far as still in the hunt for the playoffs. And again, the ten-minute overtime. Uh, you don't want to get a tie, especially when you're one and three. But at the end of the day, if you're one, three, and one, at the end of the year, it still looks like, gosh, why did they end up in a tie? You know what? If you're nine, seven, and one, that may be good enough to get in the postseason. Oh, nine. It's all the nine and eight teams. Right. We saw that with Pittsburgh last year. Yep. I think Pittsburgh was uh, nine, seven, and one, which won out over nine and eights. That's a good call. That's right. Good memory, Andy. Uh, one, one and four is not as good as one, three, and one. That's right. 
All right, so we've got some games coming up this week. Andy, where are you looking? Uh, there's some interesting games. The Bengals are a team that's been knocking on the door. They've been right there. They actually got the cover against Baltimore. It cost me some money last week, but they're minus two against New Orleans. I like what I'm seeing out of Taysom Hill. I know he got banged up a little bit, but I like Taysom Hill. And you give me Dalton and Hill, that combination, that's not too bad. I think they're uh, consistent enough. They've got to have the other key skill position players. I know Thomas has missed. Uh, Kamara looks like a shell of himself. He's been banged up. Bengals and Saints, minus two. Cincinnati on the road. Where are you going, AI? I like the pass-catch combination, though, of uh, uh, Burrow and Chase. And they're going back to their home country. They're not that far from LSU, so I think there'll be a lot of, uh, uh, even though they're going against the hometown Saints, there are going to be a lot of, I think, Chase and uh, Burrow jerseys in the, uh, in the Superdome, and that may just add a little bit. You know, remember last year, Cincinnati played well at the end of the year to make the Super Bowl. They were just a 10-7 and team in the regular season, but they've built upon that because you saw the momentum coming uh, throughout. They played a, a, a good game last week, even though they lost at uh, Baltimore. Of course, uh, Saints came from behind late to uh, overtake Seattle in a high-scoring game. I, I've been looking forward to this game, and I think there is going to be some emotional impact of uh, those two stars returning to uh, LSU-type country. Uh, I think the Bengals are in position right now. Uh, you look at Bo, he had those horrible first two games with those 13 sacks. Three games since he's been sacked only six times. One interception compared to the four interceptions in Game 1. I think Cincinnati's figuring it out, and I think that overall they're a better team right now. So, uh, Saints getting a little bit healthy, but still not at full strength. All right. So, Kriv, I know you spend a lot of time in Atlanta. The Falcons, the only team undefeated <laughs> against the spread. The 49ers go in there with Garoppolo minus five and a half in Atlanta, 44 and a half the total. Here's the thing Nick Bosa may not go. If Nick Bosa doesn't go, I give Atlanta a puncher's chance there. You guys hash this one out. I'm all ears on the NFL. Go all right, ahead. go ahead. I'm AI, not, AI not, what about it? I mean, Nick Bosa, to me, is the key on that defense, like Debo Samuel is the key on that Niner offense. I know Mariota and company, they don't put up a ton of uh, big-time stats, but at the end of the day, they find ways to stay in games, and they play four quarters. They've gotten a couple backdoor covers in uh, you know in a couple games, and you know, 21-15, they lose to Tampa Bay, and they lose 31-26 to the Rams. Those are two games they probably should not have covered, but they did. The other three they covered easily. Your take on that one, Falcons plus 5.5, 44.5 in Atlanta. Surprise if Atlanta pulls the upset. You really outlined a lot of the things that I was looking at and how well Atlanta has played in winning games, that back-and-forth game against Seattle, the game against Cleveland they won, and then the uh, uh, the game again, those two games against uh, the Rams where they were down, I think, by 21, and they ended up losing by four, and the game uh, uh, last week where they uh, uh, battled back against Tampa Bay, and who knows, but for that call against Brady, maybe Atlanta would have had a chance to go down and get a winning touchdown, even though they were still you know significant underdogs to do so. Uh, San Francisco really wasn't challenged last week by a Carolina team that, uh, according to the reports as to why Matt Rule was let go, was listless. They didn't really show much of an effort, so it was almost more, excuse me, could be looked at almost as more of a scrimmage for San Francisco. But even if San Francisco gets out to a lead, we've seen Atlanta not quit, and the 49ers may have their eyes focused on next week when they get a chance to uh, get revenge on the team against whom they blew, what was it, a 21-10 uh, lead? or a 20-10 to 10 lead in the fourth quarter in the Super Bowl a few years ago as they host uh, uh, Kansas City. All right. Uh, Vikings and Dolphins. Looks like Skylar Thompson, at least right now, is scheduled to make the start. Teddy Bridgewater has not cleared concussion protocol yet. Uh, we know Tua is out. Uh, they're really going to be careful before they bring him back. Vikings minus three and some juice. Andy, I could see this one going to three and a half. 
uh, 45 and a half the total. Skylar Thompson's a guy that had a nice preseason, the rookie out of Kansas State, now has a little bit of starting time in the regular season under his belt, uh, pressed into duty last week against the Jets. Your take, Vikings minus three, could be three and a half right now. you got to lay minus 120 to win 100 on the Vikings minus three at Miami. Uh, weather could come into play and help out the Dolphins there with a dome team from Minnesota coming in town. Who do you like? Yeah, I don't have a strong uh, thought on this one, though I am leaning Miami, and certainly I'll strongly consider a play at uh, the three and a half if it's out there. Uh, you know, Thompson, you know, pressed into duty last week. You know, remember third string quarterback, and you know Bridgewater goes down, and now all of a sudden he's called upon. So they've had now a full week to work an offense around him, get the timing down with the receivers, get the blocking set uh, for the running game, etc. With uh, Thompson at quarterback, uh, Minnesota's a nice team, but uh, you know you've. You've proven to be right through the first part of the season. This is a much-improved Miami team that could contend for the playoffs. Obviously, right now, it would appear their chances are much better with Tua, but uh, you know, let's see how they perform with the backup. I wouldn't be shocked by an outright upset. Minnesota may be going into this game maybe a little bit overconfident, and they don't play as well on the road as they do at home. Wow, crazy ending here to the Vegas Golden Knights game. Empty net. They, the Knights just miss it. And uh, they continue to lead one nothing inside of 20 seconds now. Uh, Chicago just missed getting the equalizer, and they have it back. Most people, I would think, probably laid the money on the Golden Knights minus the puck and a half because they were minus 335, and it's going to end one nothing as the Knights win it. one nothing could not get the empty netter. I'm telling you, they came within an eyelash twice, but Chicago also came very close to tying things up. Knights win it. They go to 2-0 and on the young season with a one nothing shutout of Chicago right down the street at T-Mobile. Ken Thompson, Andy Isco, Wayne Krivsky, uh, Kriv in studio, AI on the PSBR Law Hotline as we talk a little NFL AI real quick. I'll get a couple, and then we'll talk, touch on some college games, some big ones. It's the Bills and Chiefs. Doesn't get bigger than that. And the Bills, two-and-a-half-point road favorites, 54 the total. And the reason I think Buffalo's going to be all dialed in and focused for this game is not just that it's Kansas City, but it's very important for the home field advantage. And if Buffalo has that home field advantage – that is huge for them. If they can get KC, even though KC plays in some cold weather, it's just different. If Buffalo can get that home game in, say, an AFC championship game, I think that bodes well for the Bills having an opportunity to get back to the promised land and to the Super Bowl. Your take, Andy, as far as that game goes, because, again, Mahomes, as an underdog, and he's an underdog in this game, is 9-0 and as a starting quarterback in his NFL career. Bills minus 2.5-54 the total. And I think that's the talk we're going to hear on all the pregame shows between now and kickoff is Mahomes' great record as a, as an underdog. Uh, I uh, made the comment before the season started about Buffalo is that you know they really felt that last year was their year, and they came oh so close, but uh, the overtime rules you know did them in and all that. Uh, the um, uh, the thing with Buffalo this year, and we've seen it through the first five games, they were going. I expected them to bring a strong intensity into every game with uh, their eyes on that home field advantage and to be able to control their destiny. And even in that game they lost at Miami, they still had uh, what was it, 90 offensive plays to 39. So they just didn't convert the opportunities. You know, the difference in this game, and even though uh, you're laying about two, two and a half, I still prefer Buffalo. The difference in the game may come down 
down to uh, the kicking game if Kansas City still has uh, has those issues. But I just like the way this Buffalo team continues to uh, keep the uh, you know pedal to the metal, and um, it's going to be a tough challenge against Kansas City. But these teams know each other so well; uh, it's always hard to go against Patrick Mahomes. And Buffalo might be the only team in the league that I would look to even lay a short number with at Kansas City. I can't see laying a uh, laying even uh, probably couldn't even figure pick them with any other team in the league other than Buffalo playing at Kansas City. All right, last one. I'll get your take on Sunday night game. Dallas playing good, solid defense, and Cooper Rush doing what he needs to do. Cowboys, nice effort defensively. Came up with the uh, key plays. Even special teams came up big against the Rams. And the Cowboys all of a sudden 4-0 and with Cooper Rush sitting at 4-1. and The Eagles still unbeaten, the only unbeaten team in the NFL. Philly at home, Sunday night football, minus 6.5, 42. AI, where are you going? Yeah, minus six and a half. Let's see if it goes up to seven. I can understand a lot of enthusiasm to make a play on Dallas. You wonder where that magic is going to run out, but you also wonder if Philadelphia is going to be able to keep on its undefeated run. You know, with each game uh, that they play, the pressure to continue unbeaten seems to get a little bit more. They didn't, you know, they had that early lead against Arizona and then found themselves in position where they might go to uh, to overtime. Uh, I like the overall balance of this Dallas team. The defense has played exceptionally well, which means that Cooper Rush didn't have to do all that much uh, with the offense. You got the two running backs, Pollard and, and Elliott, to help take a little pressure off as well. Um, I'm not so sure overall that Philadelphia has the better roster. They certainly have an equivalent roster, and of course uh, Jalen Hurts, the quarterback for the Eagles, could be the difference maker in this game with what he does with his legs and his arms. But certainly at six or higher, uh, I, I have to consider I, I have to consider the uh, uh, the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys will be the best team that Philadelphia will have uh, faced this year. Dallas has already faced, uh, well, they lost at Tampa Bay in a well-played defensive game, and they faced the Rams, still a very good team. I don't know that, uh, uh, has Philadelphia faced anybody of that caliber? Yeah, okay, all right. Well, we've got... Minnesota may be the best team they faced. All right, got about 10 minutes. I have some big college games coming up. Criv, you love college, and you're a Duke guy, and Duke's at home against North Carolina. i got to get it in there because yeah. uh, you were able to beat for Virginia, you made me a little uh, coin there as I bet Brad Powers on that game right here in studio on Friday football fiasco. So Duke took care of business, but then you go and lose to Georgia Tech. Yeah, that I was at the Duke-Virginia game, homecoming, base, a little baseball reunion, so it was nice to see them play. It was an ugly night, but they really, they really impressed me. But then they go lay an egg in Atlanta against Georgia Tech. Overtime loss, you know, one of those letdown type of games, I think, maybe looking ahead to Carolina, which... Odd scheduling. Uh, I, you know, usually this has always been the last game of the year. I don't know what to do with this game. It'll be a pass for me, but I, I'll be rooting for the Dukies. All right. The Dukies at home are plus seven against North Carolina, 67 and a half. Andy just wanted to get that game in there, but there's a lot of big games, AI, and uh, Big yeah, Ten. I might be taking the points with Duke in that game. Carolina's defense has played a little bit better, but I've liked what I've seen out of uh, uh, Duke all year when they've stepped up a little bit in class. Uh, you know, well, maybe, maybe the game against Kansas when they lost by, by eight, but they were in that game. Uh, Carolina is not as bad defensively as they were, but they're still not a good defensive team. Good call there. They do have Josh Downs back, who's uh, making. 
His uh, mark coming back, their leading receiver from last year, missed the uh, first two games of the year, but has five touchdown receptions. And then Riley Leonard doing a good job running the show there for the Dukies, has thrown for eight and rushed for four, and Coleman and Waters in the backfield have eight touchdowns between them. So we'll see if uh, indeed Duke and Jalen Calhoun, their leading receiver, can get things going on the offense for the Dukies against Carolina. They are plus seven in Durham, 67 and a half. High total there, but uh, makes sense with those two teams. They could both go up and down the field with Drake May running the show there for Carolina. Andy, Alabama and Tennessee doesn't get bigger than that if you're uh, uh, from Knoxville or if you're backer of Tennessee because it's been a while since they've actually had a shot, at least on paper, in this game. Tennessee is plus seven. Hendon Hooker doing a nice job. Uh, They were pretty dominant last week. After LSU, I thought, made some poor decisions. Uh, Brian Kelly not electing to kick a field goal when he could have cut the game to 10-3. Elects going for it, misses, and then things just unraveled from there. Your take on Bama, and it looks like, you know, the line sitting at 7 even. I'm thinking Bryce Young is playing in this game. They have him listed as questionable. Uh, If he goes, you know, again, it's tough to to beat Bama. But Jalen Milrow is still a good backup, but he's – you know, you have film on him now, and I feel comfortable that Tennessee will win the game outright if Milrow goes. If not, I think it's still going to be a toss-up. Hendon Hooker will have to elevate his play even higher, of course, if the Heisman Trophy candidate or Heisman Trophy winner from last year, Bryce Young, is on the uh, gridiron. Your take on this one, Saban and company, minus seven in Knoxville, 65 and a half. Yeah, this is one of the lowest point spreads we've seen out of Alabama, and it's understandable with the uh, Bryce Young situation. I was on Tennessee last week against LSU, so I was very uh, pleased with the uh, result of that one. But I look at Alabama, and you know, we talk about the offense and all that, and remember, they were in a competitive game against Arkansas two weeks ago, uh, laying, uh, what was it, 17? It was, I think, 27-23, and now Arkansas and, uh, and uh, Alabama ends up winning 49-26. The Alabama defense has still been out outstanding this year. Uh, six games. Now, Arkansas was able to run the football on uh, LSU, uh, on Alabama, gaining 187 yards. In the other five games, no team, including A&M, was able to rush for more than 79 yards. So, if uh, Alabama, Alabama is going to play solid defense against the run for, against Tennessee, and maybe force Tennessee into more passing situations, I think the defense ends up winning and covering this game for uh, Alabama. I think seven is a cheap price. Uh, I don't know that I'm going to play Alabama in the first half. Hasn't been as strong as it's been in years past, but I think uh, you know when they when they lost to Texas, can't really tell. I mean, they came back and murdered UL Monroe the following week, but you know that's no great achievement. The point is, they bounced back from their scare. They're in that situation again, and I think they've got a lot of fundamental advantage in this game, mostly on the defense. Yeah, beat Texas 20-19. Fortunate there. A great escape by Bryce Young on a <laughs> what looked like a definite sack, but that's how good that kid is. And then A&M getting the ball to the two-yard line. And every single person I've talked to said, the worst play call I've ever seen on one play when you had to get a touchdown. A&M, two yards short, and Bama ends up holding on 24-20. to play 20. I've ever seen, but amongst them. Yeah, right? No question. All right, uh, some other good games. How about Penn State at the Big House? Nittany Lions plus seven, 50 and a half. Andy, just something about Penn State when you're catching a touchdown. It's hard to pass up. I do respect, though, uh, the job that Harbaugh has done there, uh, getting them to the playoff last year, the Wolverines, and bouncing back after you lose your top two defensive players, including Hutchinson, uh, one of the top picks, the 
second pick overall. Uh, J.J. McCarthy doing his job. And Blake Corum's been a lot of fun to watch on the ground. He's a blue-collar runner, 6.2 yards a carry, 11 touchdowns. Uh, Ronnie Bell, pretty solid receiver. Schoonmaker doing a nice job filling in at tight end. Now, Roman Wilson is questionable, their third leading receiver. Uh, defense pretty good, but Penn State, Sean Clifford's a veteran. He's going to have to step up the way he did crunch time in West Lafayette to beat Purdue in that opening Thursday night game. That's really the only test that Penn State has had as far as talent and a Purdue team that's come on of late. Your take on Penn State catching a touchdown against Michigan at the Big House. Yeah, yeah. The other test we thought Penn State would have would be at Auburn, uh, where they won won 41 to 12, but that's turned out to be not as impressive a win as anything close to the way Auburn has been playing throughout the season. At the same time, the win at Purdue to open the season is looking better as Purdue continues to play very well. Uh, This is a very short number for Michigan, and they've been a different team since the start of last year, and they had that lengthy, uh, unbeaten streak till they fell to uh, Michigan State and then continued on strongly enough uh, the rest of the way. And here they are once again playing outstanding defense. Five of their six opponents have been held to uh, uh, 14 points or less. And we, meanwhile, the uh, Michigan offense has scored 31 or more in five of their six games. In fact, the one game that they uh, didn't top 30 was their win, which the final score says 27-14 against Iowa, but they were in clear control of, uh, uh, of, of that game. So I think it's a short number. I like what I've seen out of Michigan, although they did open up with pretty much a couple Gate schedule, Colorado State, Hawaii, and UConn, but their performances against Maryland and Iowa and Indiana in the last two weeks gives me some confidence that uh, they, those early games, the blowout wins they had were nice tune-ups for Big Ten play. I think uh, at a line of seven, I prefer Michigan, given uh, the way that they play at home. I respect Penn State. I think they're a better team than maybe I thought at the start of the season, but I still think it's tough going into the big house. Yeah, there's no question it is tough going into the big house especially when that team is playing well. Uh, on the ice, Seattle continues to lead the L.A. Kings 3-1, to 8.34 left in regulation. Calgary did hold off Colorado 5-3, and we gave you the Vegas Golden Knights a one nothing shutout at T-Mobile over the Chicago Blackhawks. About two and a half minutes to go. Let me get two more college games from Andy Isco. USC and Utah. USC unbeaten. They're going to Rice-Eccles. Utah comes off getting blistered pretty good in Pasadena by UCLA. Cam Rising going to really have to rely on that running game with Tavion Thomas and Micah Bernard. Uh, Vele stepping up. Kincaid, the Vegas kid, pretty good receiver. Uh, you know, Caleb Williams and company, they're finding ways to win. USC holds off Washington State. Very impressive. Shut out the Cougars in the second half last week to get a win in a cover of a big number. And uh, they won it by 16. Boy, Travis Dye has been a workhorse out of the backfield to transfer from Oregon. And Tui Piloto on the defensive side has been outstanding for SC. Can they win at Rice-Eccles, Andy? Right now, USC and uh, Utah, it was Utah minus three and a half last I had seen. And I'm, I'm trying to get the updated line because there were some threes around. But I believe it's three and a half. USC is catching up there at Rice-Eccles Stadium against the Utah Utes. And it is three and a half at the Westgate. 65 the total. Yeah, it's a, it's a good spot, I think, for Utah coming off that loss. Uh, at uh, at UCLA where they return home where they've played uh, very, very well this year. Uh, on the other hand, for USC, they played twice on the road this year. Once was a pretty easy win against Stanford and then, of course, their other road game was uh, that close call when they came late to uh, a win against Oregon State 17-14. Uh, I like the consistency of uh, that we've seen out of Utah. Uh, it's, you know, it, it 
if I could lay three, I might do that. If I, I often say there are certain ranges that I won't play the game, and that I'll consider the side that I don't really like at a certain number. For me, in this game, three or less on Utah, seven or more for USC. It's a better chance it'll end up on three. If it goes to like four, I probably pass the game. All right, good stuff. We got one minute. One minute to go, Andy Isco. Oklahoma State TCU from Fort Worth. Gundy's guys find a way to win. They got the win and the cover last week, despite getting outgained by Texas Tech in Stillwater. TCU gets the late touchdown with a minute and a half to go. Knocks off Kansas in a great game. Kansas is forced to go to the backup quarterback, who was a starter last year in Jason Bean. Oklahoma State catching four in Fort Worth against the Horned Frogs of TCU and Sonny Dykes. Yeah, uh, I've been on Oklahoma State uh, throughout much of this season. Uh, TCU, I think, has surprised me a little bit. I don't want to go against TCU right now. So whereas I'd like to play Oklahoma State, I'm not sure getting four points is enough. I thought it was an outstanding effort, uh, what they did against a very good Kansas team that was playing with greater momentum. Both of those teams were unbeaten. And uh, what, uh, what TCU did to Oklahoma the week before and then got right down to business against Kansas, that impressed me. Great stuff from Andy Isco. At Vegas, Andy 7 Wayne Krivsky will be back here next Thursday, folks. Friday football fiasco tomorrow night with myself and Brad Powers. That'll do it for us on a throwback Thursday. You know the rules. No drinking and driving, no texting and driving. Most of all, God bless our troops. God bless you. Live from Vegas Sports X Radio, 101.5 on the FM side, 720 on the AM side. Remember the archives up by 11 o'clock Pacific time every night. We are live from Vegas. We've enjoyed it. Thanks to Angelo for running the show. God bless, folks. Have a great Thursday night. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Good night, everybody.